Thanks, buddy. Wow. Hey, everybody. Those, those of you that didn't stand, thank you for that warm introduction and welcome. And you came to Mandatory Chapel, that's always good. I appreciate that very much. A uh, couple things that you need to know. You're looking at a guy that's driving his dream car. Now, when I went to college here, um, I had some dreams, and one of them was to drive my dream car, to be so successful in teaching the Bible that I could buy this car. So in my dorm room, I had pictures of these cars. I had a couple posters as well of some athletes, but I had this car that was just my dream car, a white all-wheel drive Toyota Sienna with burgundy interior. Yeah. I had a Chrysler Town and Country. That one was teal. I'm still hoping for that one someday. My dream car has cracker shrapnel in the back, like a goldfish was decapitated, those little crackers, because I have three kids. Uh, I'm a pastor, an author, a speaker. Um, I drive a minivan. My dream car. And uh, it's, uh, it's amazing and sort of surreal to be here in many sense well, sense is of, of the word, because uh, I remember when I sat where you sit, and I promise I'll do my best to not waste your time. You're here for a number of reasons, but one banner that can unite us all is just simply this name above all names, Jesus. So let's talk about Jesus this morning just for a couple minutes as our lives collide like two trains on a track. Let's talk about this king of kings. Jesus was a master Torah teacher. Say that word with me on three. One, two, three. Torah. Okay. Uh, on three. Okay. One, two, three. Torah. The Torah is simple. It's sort of the five books of the Bible. To be a master Torah teacher, you had to have the first five books of the Bible memorized or internalized. That's a lot of text. Jesus knew approximately this much of the Bible by heart. There's rabbis that do that even today. Now, not only was he a master Torah teacher, he was a master Torah teacher that taught with, this is a really fun word, smicha. Say that with me on three. One, two, three. Smicha. It's like, if you don't know how to speak Hebrew, I just graduated with my master's degree, and when North Central gets an MDiv program, I'll finish it up. But the point is, is just simply, you need to know this one thing and one thing only if you're going to learn Hebrew. <laughs> That's it. That's really all I've learned. So say that with me on three in Hebrew. One, two, three. Perfect, careful. The whole balcony was just misting the lower level in Hebrew. The person in front of you is like, wow, yeah. You do speak good Hebrew. Achava on three, one, two, three. Achava, uh, that's a Hebrew word for love, and this word for smicha has got like this other in it as well. So let's just say that one. Smicha, one, two, three. Smicha. You're getting it. You're getting it. Give the person behind you a mint because they probably need one. <laughs> smicha is the word for authority, and what you need to grasp in this context is Jesus was not just a master Torah teacher that taught the Torah, he was a master Torah teacher that taught with smicha, and to do that, you could interpret the Torah. You could apply the yoke. You had 
an interpretation, an application of this sacred text. And the only way that you got smicha is if one rabbi laid his hand on you in a public place and said, I've got smicha. And another rabbi, going back to Moses and Aaron, had another set of smicha and said, I've got smicha. And we say with my smicha and my smicha that this rabbi now has smicha. Go and teach with smicha. That's a lot of smicha. That's how you got it. Jesus is the only rabbi to ever get his smicha directly from God. When he was baptized, he comes up out of the water and God says, this is my beloved son whom all smicha authority is given. What he says goes. He got his smicha from God the Father, not from some ceremonial institution. And he taught the text. Now, to be a rabbi that teaches with smicha, you not only had to have the first five books of the memorized, you had to have the entire Old Testament or the Tanik memorized. That would be literally this much of the text that you would have to have memorized. So it's 1124, and we're going to be like Jesus, and we're going to see how far we can get today. And we're going to memorize the Old Testament. Repeat after me. In the beginning, God created the heavens... Could you imagine, in fact, I've done the math, you had to literally schedule your life in such a way where you would memorize 30 words and then you'd have to remember those 30 words starting at the age six or seven, ending at 66 or 67, maybe even 70, depending on the translation that you used, and you would then know the text like Jesus knew the text. And I found myself in... Well, moments in my life where I have literally known more movie lines than I've known of God's word. And then I would want order and I would live out of order and I would expect order. And when you wake up in the morning, the greatest challenge I can give you that I wish someone would have given me when I sit or would have sat where you sit was just simply this. Before you check your Instagram or your Snappy Chatty or your Facebook, or if you have a MySpace, delete it because you're weird. If you have those things, before you tune in to some sort of digital form of communication and distraction, get an old school Bible with pen and ink unprinted on paper that once was trees and crack it open and see how your day starts because when you live in order, you have order. This is not just a word. This is the word. This is not just something you read to finish. You read it to finish and complete you. You don't read it to get through it. You read it until it gets through to you. You don't read it to just to, to stop. You read it to be changed, to continue, to grow, to move. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God is over the water, and his word and his spirit collide for the first time. Guess where the word is here in this place, but guess where the spirit dwells? What's your name? In you, Julius, in Christ, the Spirit of God is not just hovering over the water. You're a carrier, a vessel, a door, a window of that Spirit. And when you, just like in Genesis, have the Word of God collide with the Spirit of God, the universe was born. What happens inside of you, Julius? You become a new creation when you put the Word and the Spirit together. And something happens. So stop checking your Instagram before you read God's word. Because one is sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll change your life. And Jesus knew the text. He's a master Torah teacher that taught with smicha, and he also taught with his 
well, many teaching techniques. One of them is called remez. It's a hint or clue. Say that with me on three. One, two, three. Remez. Remez is a hint or clue. I'll give you an example. What did Buzz Lightyear always say? Perfect. What did Yoda say? Do or do not, there is no? All the nerds united. So there was a hint or a clue. There was this moment where Jesus would always lead a horse to water, but what? You can't do what? Make a drink. You filled in the blank because you know the thing that I know, that we both know. It's a shared knowledge, and Jesus did this all the time with his disciples. He'd give them part of the teaching, and they would have to fill in the rest because he knows knowledge is is not information. There is a difference. And information comes from your smartphone that's not making you any smarter. Knowledge comes from revelation, which comes from people. And so what you need to understand all the way in the balcony to the floor is this idea of treasure that is in God's word, that is in your textbook, in hermeneutics, in ethics, in the history of humanity, in whatever you're studying and your journey. Jesus, by the way, different message. I'd love to come back. This is a plug. I think we need to be intellectual Pentecostals where we celebrate the emotional response and the intellectual pursuit. Mother Teresa and C.S. Lewis together not one or the other but both and when you understand that and you put yourself in that place you uncover it for yourself and you only uncover what you dig for yourself treasure is only yours if it is yours that you went for if I give you an answer or your professor serves up your answer whose answer is it it's theirs if you dig for that answer and you come to that revelation by the way of the Holy Spirit illuminating that in your life then whose answer is it it's yours You uncover what you dig for yourself. So stop raking the word of God with some sort of microwave Christianity and get out your shovel and dig deeper in this word. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Jesus is a master Torah teacher that teaches with smicha and he does it with this teaching technique called remez. It's a hint or clue. He does it all the time. Now, let's start the message. Reading from the word of God. I'll take questions at the end. Go ahead. You know what? Let's take questions now. I'm curious. Anybody that's bold enough to raise their hand to ask a question, I kind of want to know how this is going to go. What is your name, first of all? Hi, Genesis. So eloquently named. No connection. I don't think God's doing anything here. Genesis, what's your question? Genesis is asking the question, what is smicha? Anybody in the lobby want to Answer the, no, anybody in the lobby want to answer the question uh, in the balcony, sorry, in the balcony for a, my book in the lobby. Anybody want to answer that in the balcony? What does the word smicha mean? I saw the hand over here with the glasses and the beard. Go ahead. It means authority, Genesis. Are you caught up now? Okay, good. I'm glad we could pause chapel for Genesis and make something out of nothing, the new beginning, right? Oh yeah. Okay. So... And by the way, if you like anything that is happening today, I'm going to give you just a quick commercial. Um, God asked me to do something about a year and a half ago, and it scared me to half half to death. He gave me a revelation about um, 
well, this axe. And in 2 Kings, Elijah is building this house with the other prophets, and the axe sinks. And then he goes and he gets Elijah the prophet, and he says, I need you to get this axe. And axe, he throws a stick, and the axe head floats, and then he goes, Go retrieve your axe. He was so worried about it because it was a borrowed axe head. And I, I'm worried about this generation that you are trying to build into blaze what God has you to make by borrowing someone's anointing or gifts. You have to discover your own tools that he's given you. You don't need to be the next Eric Samuel Tim or the next Bruce Lee. You need to be the first Jackie Chan or Jeff Grinnell. Do you hear what I'm telling you? It's this moment where you've got to discover what he's put in your hands because you have it. And so I created this academy called the Axe Academy, and we're going to put it up on the screen. And I used to charge for this specialized life development learning platform for leaders, communicators, disciples, and dreamers who want to make their life count. That's, uh, that's a really great mission statement, all-encompassing everyone in this room. And it was 10 bucks a month, and there is literally, literally over 1,500 hours of podcasts from me, Acts courses one-on-one. I answer your personal question. I had a youth pastor that I just met with in Toronto just literally last night who asked me the question. He's part of the Acts Academy. It's legal in my country now to smoke marijuana. I'm a follower of Christ. Can I smoke marijuana? What do you do with that question? Well, you can't exactly post that on your Insta-G. You need a safe place to sometimes ask those questions. And so he asked me and we answered that question in the Acts Academy. So God asked me to do this in the 2019 years just to make it free. So if you scroll down to the bottom of this page and you can look through the seven areas that we sharpen, our mission and vision, all of the ways, keep going, that we do it through courses and questions and monthly acts webinars. And we got these uh, essential, what they would be called e-courses. Keep going, keep going all the way down to the bottom, fast as you can, because Genesis interrupted chapel and I'm already behind. And then if you look here, you can join the Axe Academy as an annual supporter. You can do it monthly, and you can do it for free. I'm giving it to you. Click that button, and you have everything that I've ever made, that God has ever given me to give you, to make you a better communicator, a better leader, a better pastor. There, there's, there's a whole, a whole e-course on stress and on comparison. And everyone's so afraid of stress, but without stress, diamonds wouldn't be made. It's about handling that pressure. It's about mitigating that stuff. It's about understanding Sabbath and rest and how to really make it happen. So go to theaxacademy.com and join it. You got nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I want to give it to you. And by the way, when I stepped out in that, this is just for you, not for the internet. The phone rang, and a guy in northern Minnesota said, I want to give you a check for four grand. I said, for what? Because you made acts free. So I want to cover 400 students for a year. So that happened last week, and there's probably 400 students in here. So you can thank Lonnie Anderson for the donation for you to have access to the Axe Academy. Let's get to our text. Genesis, you all caught up? The text isn't in Genesis, ironically. It's in Luke 19. Go there with me, if you will. Are you ready? Here we go. Luke 19, reading from the Word of God. 
Zacchaeus was a wee little little man, and a wee little man was he. Verse 2. He climbed up a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Picking up in verse 4. As the Savior passed that way. Sing it with me. Come on. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. If you got your phones on, shut them off. You're missing chapel. One more time. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Okay, stop. Nobody's doing the motions. This is ridiculous. Genesis, come here. You know the motions? You don't know the motions? Well, you're about to learn. Get up out of your chair, girl. You ready? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up. This is how white people climb right here. A sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And we do it a couple different ways. As the Savior passed that way, like this, like kind of a, like a moonwalk, icky shuffle. And oh, some people do this too. So let's sing it. Ready? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up. Yeah, you got it, girl. For the Lord he wanted to see. And as this, you're not doing the motions, bro. You want to come up here? Come on, man, let's go. You're not doing the motions. Get up here. All right. One more time. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Now he's doing the motions. He climbed up. Okay, stop, stop. I want to just shape you all in this moment. We have to stop teaching a generation of children that this is how Jesus came through Jericho. I mean, for real, look at the vertical on Jesus right here. He's just, hey guys, he could dunk a basketball for sure. Yeah, Genesis, give me the Jesus through Jericho. Yeah, okay. Give it up for these two. Sit down, you two. Crazy. So, you got this very familiar portion of scripture, and I just want to just summarize this for you all. Zacchaeus is going through sort of a vertical challenge in his life, and he gets up in this shikma, a sycamore tree, which is a crooked fig tree that bears fruit in this region, and he climbs up because he wants to see Jesus, and Jesus comes walking by, and Jesus sees him in this tree, and he says, hey, Zach, that's his nickname for short, he says, come out of the tree, and he comes out of the tree, and they begin to grumble, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, because he went to eat with them at his house, and Jesus and Zacchaeus have a conversation, and we don't know what was said, we just know that salvation came to his house. He, too, is the son of Abraham that is coming to seek and to save which was lost. A couple things going on here. What did Zacchaeus hear? What did the crowd hear? What did the religious leaders hear? What do I think we should hear? Well, the crowd is there, and they're gathered waiting for the Messiah, the Son of God, the, the Son of Man, the one in David's lineage, just going back to all of the prophecies. And, and Jesus says, today, Yeshua, John records, today, the Son of Man... Today, Yeshua is coming to your house. Yeshua. Now, how do you say God's salvation in Hebrew? Yeshua is is how you say Jesus' name and how you say God's salvation. It's the same thing. Your name has meaning. What's your name? Tony. Your name's got meaning. My name's got meaning. My name, Eric Samuel Tim, means one who loves lasagna. It's true. But all of your name has meaning. Genesis, her name has meaning. 
And, and Jesus' name has meaning, and it means God's salvation. And if you're waiting for God's salvation, and you have this rabbi that teaches with smicha and authority that just says, today, God's salvation, Yeshua is coming to this house, what did he mean? Did he just say his name, or did he say who he was? No wonder you flipped the page in the crowd, wanted to follow and find out. The religious leaders heard Jesus say, well, this simple remez, hint or clue. In Luke 19, verse 10, the Son of Man is coming to seek and to save which was lost. That's not how that passage ends. Luke 19, Luke records the Son of Man has coming to seek and to save which was lost. But that's actually a remez to Ezekiel 34, 16. Ezekiel 34, 16 is how that phrase actually ends, or at least it sounds eerily familiar. I will seek and save which was lost. Bind up the scattered, strengthen the sick, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. Why do you think the Sadducees flipped the page, wanted to kill him? What did he say to him? What did Zacchaeus hear? Well, I think Zacchaeus hears something he hasn't heard in a long time. Zacchaeus is up in a tree, and Luke records that he's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, if I ever went over to President Scott's house for dinner, I would never tell any of you I'm going over to the guest of a man who is a president. We don't talk that way. When you go over to your friend's house, you don't fill in their occupation with their residence. But Luke records that, that way, because that's how it was said. He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. It's an occupation just as much as it is a spiritual condition for Zacchaeus. See, in the Torah, the religious leaders had a problem on their hands because they needed a temple tax, but you couldn't touch anything with the graven image, so what they needed to do was collect an offering, but they couldn't touch the money, so they found a guy who touches money all the time. He happened to be the chief tax collector, and his name is Zacchaeus, and so they called him the sinner, the one that was unclean. And Zacchaeus collected the tax and they removed Zach's identity and they say what he is or what he does. And Jesus looks up in the street and says, hey, Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus' name has meaning too. You can look it up on babynames.com. It means pure. Everybody else called him sinner. Jesus looks in the tree and calls him pure. Think about the community of homosexuals that exist in this city that are up in a tree and sometimes how the church sees them is very different than how Jesus sees them. Think about how Jesus sees you in your tree with your sin and your thing and your righteousness that when compared to the righteousness of God, all of us have fallen short. There's no capital sin. It's just all the same. And you know how Jesus sees you, Tony? He looks in the tree that someone has placed you in with what you've done or who you are or some stat or the skin color or whatever they decide to put on you that isn't you. And Jesus looks at you, Tony, and he says, you are pure in me. 
come out of the tree. That's how Jesus sees you, bro. That's how he'll always see you. When you look in the mirror and you feel the furthest thing from it, that's how Jesus will always look at you. When you're up in that tree, no matter what that tree may be labeled, he sees you as pure and he calls you by name. Come out of the tree. That's what Zacchaeus heard. So he gets out of the tree. He hasn't heard his name in who knows how long and Jesus says, pure, come out of the tree. Think about the implications for that in your life. When you look in the mirror and you know you've invited things into your life that have left you anything but pure. Now, if I can just show a chink in the armor, and I don't want this on the internet because this isn't for the world, this is for you. When I went to this school, I came here on the straight and narrow. I knew what God had for me. I knew what I was supposed to do, sort of. And at the same time, I had no clue what I was supposed to do. I graduated, gave me the degree. And you know what I lost along the way when I really fell off the wagon with my walk with God was at North Central. Because I was surrounded by all of this and I felt like I was still in a tree. And there was things I invited into my life that left me anything but pure. And I know you're here today and you came here and you checked a box that says I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. I checked that same box but through a period of circumstances and choices I couldn't say I was following Christ. Being saved isn't the issue. Living saved maybe is. Maybe you're here today up in a tree. Jesus sees you as pure. Get out of the tree. Follow him with the same zeal that you had a year ago or two years ago. Don't let the enemy sift you. There's more for you. Your story doesn't end there and Zacchaeus' story didn't end there either. I don't know what happens in that room, but I know the conversation is our job. The conversion is his. And so I'm having the conversation with you today. I hope the Holy Spirit speaks to you that way. What do I think I hear for this time? Well, frankly, I'll be short. As the band comes, I think there are people in trees. I think there's people in trees in this room, and I think there's people in trees on a global level. And what I'm asking you all to do is to see them as Jesus sees them. Don't ever lose the eyes of Christ that you will gain in the pursuit and in this season of your life at North Central. When you trade your eyes for the eyes of Christ, don't ever trade them back for your own. When you have his eyes and you see the world that he sees, keep that. Guard that heart above all else and see the world that he sees because it's so easy for us to sink into our own way of seeing people the way that we want to see them. 
Now, it doesn't matter if you've seen this or not, but the man in the orange jumpsuit that's standing in front of the man with the sword that's in another country that's about to lose the faith that you just all professed and worshipped with passion for. We never know the man's masked name. We don't know the person with the sword. We always know the photographer, the follower of Jesus, the person who's going to lose their head for their faith. But the Holy Spirit has revealed to me time and time again the man holding the sword with the mask on his name is Zacchaeus and I have to see them the way that Jesus sees them I have to love my enemies <laughs> and that is so hard the further they are away from you in the concentric circles of your life what if it's not your president what if it is the president you know how people see Donald Trump a lot differently than Jesus does. Myself included. And there's been times since I graduated this school where I felt like, man, I traded my eyes. And so I'm asking you to see again. See the world the way that Jesus sees the world. See people in trees. On my table in the back, I'll never forget this moment. There was a little girl eating a cake of mud. And I had just celebrated my daughter's birthday months prior and bought her a birthday cake. This little girl was in the Dominican Republic. There's little girls in Haiti. There's children all over the world that are waiting for people to see them in a tree called hunger. 23,000 children will die in a ditch or their mother's arms or a hospital bed from a preventable disease called hunger, from money that you will leave on your student account, from a buffet that we do not need to have that third trip to, from the fact that we can pay at window one and pick it up at window two, and I'm asking you to see them. So I called Convoy of Hope. Many of you know Mother Teresa said this quote, if you can't feed 100, just feed one. And so when you do that today for $10, you feed a child for the whole month. And on that table in the back, in the back of this foyer, you don't make the check to me, I don't get any of the money. It goes to feed a child that's in a tree called hunger for $10. If you've been looking to do something about someone who doesn't have enough because you have too much, even if it's ramen and Ritz at North Central, 10 bucks feeds a kid a long way for a whole month, and they're in a tree called hunger. You go to the table in the back, you fill out this form, you turn it in, you can take my book, anything you want on that table, it's just for free. If you need something off that table, you can just go back there and take it off for free, whether you feed a child or not. But I'm asking you to see these kids in trees, because little girls in the DR shouldn't eat mud cakes, they should eat birthday cake. Some of you are here, and if you got to go, you got to go, but I'm going to ask you to do something bold right now because nothing is more important than this. You're in a tree, and I want you to get out of your chair. I want you to come down here, and I want to pray with you. You may consider yourself a follower of Jesus, but you've placed yourself in a tree with something in your life that needs to be out of your life, and Jesus is inviting you to be late for class and to come down here and I want to pray with you. I'm not going to count. I'm not going to bow the heads. 
I'm not going to ask you to not be singled out. I'm going to ask you to get up out of your chair because you're in a tree. Something's in your internet history. Something's been dumping into your veins. Something's been purchased. And I'm asking you because Jesus sees you far differently than you see him. He sees you as he sees everyone. You came to this school and there's been something that has just sort of changed. You've lost some of the wonder and these people sing these songs and you're like, I want that. I don't have what they have. I'm in the balcony, I'm in the back and I feel numb and I feel tired. I just know that I'm immersed in the thing that isn't making me pure. I want you to spread all, all the way across this place. If you need to go, you can go. You can spread all the way across this place. I'm waiting. There's more of you that are here. You got to be bold. Some of you thought nobody would come. Some of you thought nobody would be man enough or woman enough to admit that they're in a tree from a circumstance that they found themselves in or that they've placed themselves in. Spread out. Keep using this space. Professors and prayer leaders and student leaders, I want you to come pray with these students. I'm going to take five minutes. See people in trees and see yourself as pure. Trade your eyes and put on the eyes of Christ. He sees you far differently than you see yourself. You leave it here. You have a hard conversation with someone in your life so you can win this, so they can walk with you because your battle isn't meant to fight alone. The song you sang in the beginning, it's not, it was a prelude to this moment because you're not alone. Zacchaeus was in a tree alone and Jesus invited him out of the tree and he was connected reconnected, re-welcomed. And the conversation that ensued is the conversation that the Holy Spirit's having with you in this moment. Leave it here. Leave it here. Nobody talks about the word repentance. It's not a popular word, but it's turning away from the tree that you put yourself in and moving to the tree that Christ died on to redefine you. Did you hear what I said to you? Repentance is moving out of the tree that sin has placed you in and coming and bowing at the tree that Christ died on. This is what this is in this moment. If you need to go, you need to go. If you want to stand, stand right where you're at. Let's worship together. Lead us in a song of surrender. Let's continue to pray. Do not leave until God is done. There's nowhere to go but out of the tree. Jesus sees you as pure. Jesus sees you as pure.